You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hey, Jordan, your usual drink tonight? Yes, thank you. So, where's Eric and Ryan? Uh, they're on their way. I wanted to listen to your latest podcast, but where can I download the episodes again? You can download all of our episodes at movieguyspodcast.podme.com. You can also find us on every social media platform. Every social media platform? That's awesome. Hey, it looks like your friends are here. Let me get the first round for you guys. Happy Easter, everybody, for, uh, and who are fans of Movie Guys Podcast, and I just got one thing to say. Oh, boy. I wasn't going to open up the show with another sigh this year, but I almost did. Eric, how the hell are you doing? I think you just you just did. Well, I went, oh, boy. I didn't go, uh, but, anyway. but you were assigned just because <laughs> of the lack of Easter movies that we have to choose from, right? You tried to be a bit festive here sticking with the times um holiday coming around the corner people aren't going to be enjoying it so maybe they'll reach out and celebrate in other ways you know besides hiding eggs around the house uh, maybe watch a movie there's not a whole lot of easter movies you know there's uh the religious ones and then there's uh i pitched hop for us to for us to do but um i don't know do, do you know any easter movies ryan uh there's an easter bunny puppy these are easter bunny uh, claymation movie like Rudolph the Red Nosed Ranger that Riley watched last night. I'm sure Veggie Tales has one. Yeah, yeah. We chose we chose Last, Te- last Temptation of Christ. So uh, because of everything going on with the coronavirus, of course we're not seeing the brand new movie that came out in theaters. So we're uh, trying to think of uh, new things to do, and we've never done an Easter special before. And of course, the first thing that I thought of was Passion of the Christ. And no, I don't even want to go down that road. So I figured, okay, let's do a movie that I don't think any of us have seen. I've heard of it since I went to film school years ago. I just I watched probably the first five minutes of it in film school, and I fell asleep in class. I actually believe that happened. So I've known I, I I have known of the Last Temptation of Christ for a very long time. Have you guys ever heard of this thing? Yeah, I mean you. Yeah, I, I've I've heard of it, but um, I have not. I've I've not actually sought out to to see it, and. Uh, after watching it, I, uh, I I think I'm correct in that and my reasons why I shouldn't have in the first place. <laughs> Ryan, how about you, man? Have you ever heard of this at all? Yeah, I watched it when I was a teenager, when I was, like, you know, you have that phase where you first realize that movies are more than entertainment, so you just binge all these movies that these books or online websites say are the greatest movies. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them, but I'll tell really? you, rewatching, yeah, rewatching it, this is the first time I've seen it since I was probably 14, 15, something like that, and I forgot most of this movie. Like, I, I, I thought the whole movie was the last 30 minutes. Right. Yeah, that's I was thinking, too. I thought that we were going to get kind of like a, a passion, uh, kind of a, a the, the Christ thing. But there was <laughs> there was moments where in this movie where I... Okay, here's one moment where I actually felt bad about. Because you criticize the movie at, at certain parts. But I, I remember he had just gotten punished by... by um, 
David Bowie's character. What's it? Uh, 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 Pontius, Pontius Pilate. And um, he just is all beat up, and he's got the crown of thorns on, and they show his back of the whip, the the markings. And the first thing that I thought was, oh, that doesn't look that bad. That's the first. <laughs> that's the first thing Wait, that I David, thought. Of. David Bowie played Pontius Pilate. Yeah. Yeah. Just, really, yeah. I, like, I, I knew that song. So bitch looks familiar. Dude, okay. Like, jeez. Oh, there's a so good. There's a fun cameo. There's a fun cameo in the scene where they're about to stone Mary Magdalene. You know who that? You know who the old man is that tries to interfere with Jesus saving her? Please tell me. That's Irving Kirshner, director of uh, Empire Strikes Back and that's... RoboCop Two. Oh my God! What is he doing? You see, now that's what this movie should have been. This movie should have been a bunch of little cameos from famous people, but it's not. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is not what's in the Bible, right? This movie starts off with them saying, "This is just a work of what if," right? Like this, this is not them saying this is what happened, right? This movie opens up with the disclaimer. Um, first and foremost, saying that this is not an interpretation of the Bible. This is uh, more an adaptation of... Well, they don't say it's an adaptation of the, of the story, right? I think they just go on to say that it's this kind of interpretation of the struggle of the spirit. Or, you know, something to, to kind of give them the pass to, you know, against Christians. Be like, hey, listen, this isn't a, a literal interpretation of what we're going for. We're going for like kind of like the... Uh, the story, the battle that Jesus had to go through, and I, I, I guess that's what they're going. Either, either way, it, it, it played like I don't know, like like the Coen brothers smoked weed with David Lynch. There we go. And that's I think what we got with this with this movie. They're they're okay. So like the first like 10, 15 minutes. I'm not, I'm not even kidding you. I checked the timestamps to make sure that like I didn't like the movie didn't skip or something. I was like, did something? Did I miss something? Right, because this, this movie was cut really poorly. Because this jumped around a, a a whole lot for for a little bit. I had to make sure. Also, like, I I wish that comic books would do this a bit more. By the way, like, uh, and by this I mean that um, this movie pretty much started like this, fully knowing that its viewers know the story. Right, you've all heard this story before, and it's not going to insult the viewer to try to give you the whole spiel all over again type of thing so you know hey wish comic books would do the same thing just like you don't need to retell the origin story over again just you know pick up pick up and, and go i want to know what ryan thinks about harvey Keitel as judas a red ginger see how I, I i mean at the end he he does like he's a ginger but for the most part i thought he was like a auburn colored but i think come on harvey Keitel has a ginger come on <laughs> No, it's the perm is beautiful. The perm uh, is, it, it is absolutely a marvel to behold. But um, I we had we had that conversation, Jordan, um, earlier in the week about how you feel Harvey Keitel was miscast. Yes. In the part, and um, I will agree to a certain extent. He his interpretation is strange. Um, he his? he tries yeah. to play it. Yeah, he. Tra- well, I mean, I'm assuming. Well, Martin Scorsese most likely told him to do this this right. way, but he he tries to play this guy who uh, is a tough guy, but has like a tender soul, and it's a very very weird mix that he goes for, especially with his. I'm assuming it's a Brooklyn accent. <laughs> 
He still has like that wise guy type of thing. Jesus, where's the I was the waiting money? for him to smoke a cigarette. I was waiting for him to smoke a cigarette and to talk about how the bank heist went wrong. Like this was crazy. And and what I was and what Ryan was referring to is that I called him because I was like, dude, this is crazy. Uh, blah 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 blah. And I said, uh, Harvey Keitel cast as Judas makes as much sense as Morgan Freeman cast as Little John in the Robin Hood movie of Kevin Costner. It's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's what are you doing in this role right now? Shouldn't you should be shouldn't you be a go off being a good fella? Like, what are you doing? Um, I just wow, and it's amazing too because uh, didn't Goodfellas come out after this movie? Ninety, yeah. Okay, so. Here's my critique before we get into the nuts and bolts of the movie so far about this. Scorsese, what are you doing, dude? This is not a Scorsese film. I mean, when you look at a director's body of work, when they've been around for a long period of time and they've made endless kind of movies, you have their isms. You know, you see a Tarantino film, you're like, oh, I get it. A Spielberg film, you know, David Lynch, so on, so forth, so on, and so forth. I don't see any Scorsese in this movie at all. And I was like, what the... I mean, Eric, do you do you see what I'm saying on this one? Like, there's no Scorsese in this. This is but, just an acid trip. Yeah, this really does... Like, for, for 88, um, that's the other part as I'm watching this. I'm, I'm trying to, to kind of throw in the uh, the time gap. and be like, okay, well, 88, there wasn't really, you know, uh, as far as what they were trying to do. But just like, no, that, that's not a really an excuse. But maybe it's the budget thing because you guys had... I remember you had said before... That um, he was having budget issues, or they couldn't find funding with it, or it was harder a project to make, or right. So I, I maybe there was a lot of uh, problem solving with this movie, and not enough filmmaking. Um, kind of one of those projects, but okay. I, but it, I I see what you what you mean. I really just don't. I, I, I everything from start to finish was just which is why I really don't understand. Why you? Why he was inspired to make this movie? I don't understand why he chose the cast that he did, even though that I, I don't think Willem Dafoe was his original care or his original choice. It couldn't have been. But it's uh, I I just don't. It it's like he got everyone together and he's like, hey everyone, we're gonna make this, you know, uh, um, you know, 100 BC here or whatever AD. I guess it just was Jesus. So we're gonna make this, you know you know, 30 AD uh, in time. But everyone's just going to be modern, by the way. Just talk normal, as you would. Some uh, had English accents. Yeah. The Romans. All, the, all of the Roman characters had English accents. You do have to realize that in this era, though, in the 80s, uh, Scorsese was jumping around doing, spe- like, different genres. It's like, if you even start from Taxi Driver, Taxi Driver is this... So I don't want to say like psychological thriller, but it is an examination of a guy slowly losing his marbles. And then the year after that, in 77, he jumps to a musical New York, New York, like a big budget MGM style musical. And the 1980 is Raging Bull. 82 is The King of Comedy. 85 is, um, oh, it's a late night comedy with starring Griffin Dunn. Night something? I can't remember what it's called. Um, and then he does The Color of Money in 86. And then this. Okay, so his body works everywhere. But this was this yeah. was a project that he wanted to do. This was a passion project. Yes, yes, because guys, I was telling Eric this when I read this up online, is that he wanted to do this so bad, and the studio said, no, we won't do this, and they went back and forth. And at the end of the discussion, the reason this movie got made is they said, hey, if you make, we'll allow you to make this, Scorsese, but you have to make us a commercial piece. And that next movie had to be Cape Fear. So, 
yeah. But anyway, okay. So I just want I just want to confess this to some uh, to people that are listening to this show. This is my recommendation. I'm curious what you guys did. My wife and I watched this in a span of four nights. Four nights in a row. We did this as a miniseries. Now, did you guys go the distance and watch this trash all the way through? Or did you did you spurt it out? Trash. I watched it in one go. Wow, okay. Eric, did you watch it's not it? A, it's not a hard sit. Yeah, it's not a hard kind sit. Of is. I, I, did, uh, uh, I did two sits. I did uh, like half of it one night and the rest... Um, the other, but it, it wasn't just. I, I think it was just a need to switch it up after a while because it's just like, okay, what the hell is going on? And uh, I think it was a good point because uh, that second half really just seems to be a little bit more of the um, on, on the uh, the crucifixion. But even then, like there was a big what the fuck moment. Well, let's get into it, okay? So I'm not going to talk about every little thing, but I'm talking about stuff that really was impactful to me here to see what you guys think. So the first two minutes of the movie, I perked up in the seat because I knew that this was a what-if scenario. What if Jesus was a man, blah, 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 blah. And it starts with him as a younger man, Willem Dafoe, and and um, I love this, love this line because I was like, oh, this is an interesting conflict, and then it lost me. When Judas comes in and says, how were you a Jew making crosses to crucify other Jews. I'm just like, oh, oh, that's interesting. My wife was disgusted and I lost her at that moment. She was upset. She was upset. I thought it was a good conflict. I thought that was interesting. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's the only time I said cool in the movie. Did you guys, did you guys, uh, let's just break this up at part one. Did you guys like that part one struggle of of Jesus, who was a Jew, making crosses to crucify other Jews? Did you guys like that idea? I, I, I liked it a lot more than the idea of Jesus just being a man who got a brain tumor. No. <laughs> Ryan, what do you say to that, man? No, I think it, so the, the whole, like the whole point of the movie is really just to add, like to make. Jesus to humanize Jesus this mythological figure that we all know and we've heard of but to give him human emotions and to make him a self-loathing Jew I think is a you know that's a big shot right out the gate right I was I was into it because I, I pressed play and I was like okay I married a Catholic woman I know a lot about Jesus through her so but I know that this is just completely not at all following what the bible says so i'm interested so the movie loses me at that point but then we of course we get the 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 very graphic running the train on mary madeline i can't believe that happened mary mary madeline literally had a train ran on her yep and i'm just like oh well hey man she's earning a living don't judge her i i'm not judging i'm judging the director's choice to have he us who is watch thin cast the first stone so. that happens later but jesus literally walks into a room and she's being fucked three ways from sunday getting a train ran on her and i'm just like all right this is happening this is a, a brilliant decision making uh process here okay. um so that there are some uh, funny moments in this movie. I think they're intended to be comical, but not like as funny as I found them, and probably you guys found them because we were we were we were joking about the his first sermon and the the end result of that. But one of the bits that made me really uh, bust up laughing is in this scene 
where like right at the end of like near the end of it that one fella who's sitting next to jesus like le- like leans over and taps jesus to indicate you're next are you going and jesus goes no and the guy gets all like it's a smile on his face just hops up to go bang mary <laughs> i also love too that we get uh reptiles we get serpents and we get animals that talk to jesus without their mouths moving very wonderful what's with the snake so 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 that's my question to you guys that I had that I wrote down and wanted to ask you guys. So after the Mary Madeline gangbang scene, uh, he goes into this hut, whatever, and he talks to a ghost. And then all of a sudden, uh, he has Satan in his heart. Is that it? And then, and then a cobra comes out of nowhere and talks to him in a woman's voice. Is that cobra Satan? Because we're going to get this cobra a lot in this movie. I, I, I do feel that a lot of this interpretation is just... Um... Jesus is supposed to be you, and it, this is his struggle um, that every man goes through between the, the battle of good and evil and what they should should do when faced with um, these certain life events. And you should, you know, rather... But was that uh, Satan rather, in him, though? It, it, how do you feel? How about that? I don't know, Eric. That's why I'm asking you guys. Like, is this supposed to be? Because he kept on saying that Satan's is Satan is within me. I, I so felt was, that w- that he felt that he was unworthy of whatever he was being told to do, be about being the Messiah and everything. He felt he was because he felt that he had all this evil in him that he was never getting out of him. That's why we get to see later on uh, all these reemergings, right? Of of this evil, how it has taken so many different forms. Okay. I was just curious, would you, Ryan, Ryan, do you have an opinion on this one at all before we go to the next segment here? Well, I think they represent it because the whole movie is about his desire to be a human and indulge in human vices, whether it's love, physical contact, violence, you know, wanting to kill someone, all these things, and his, you know, that he knows that he is important for some reason, but he can't, he can't figure out exactly what. And I, I to me, I felt, cause after that scene, when, when he um, encounters the two snakes in the hut and he vanquishes, uh, vanquishes them, that's when he's like, okay, I am, I'm the Messiah. Okay. That's when All he right. realizes what his mission is. So then he goes into the desert for the 40 days, 40 nights thing. And he talks to the serpent again. And Satan tempting him, uh, talks to a lion, Satan again tempting him, and then he gets the fire, right? Um, but wasn't John the Baptist before the 40 Days, 40 Nights in this movie? Yeah, you met John the Baptist before okay. he went out into the desert. John yeah. the Baptist was the crazy guy in the river preaching anarchy. Thank you, because I want to know what they were smoking. Eric, you need to... And Ryan, you need to help water, me Drinking some My piss God. water. I mean, women were just naked and throbbing their bodies around people yeah, they were, were just... lurching everywhere just just spasming it was uh i don't know an odd film day that's for sure uh I, it just seemed like everybody okay have you ever guys been like not a part of an inside joke and then you you go into work or go to the family event or other friends and like they say the inside joke and you're so lost and sure. like yeah so that's what the, this part of the movie was for me, because everyone's talking around like, oh, baptize me. Do it. Oh, bless you and bless you. And I'm just like, holy shit, is this a currency now? I, are, you, are you able to do that where I can just go, hey, Jordan, guess what? Bless you. 
and you're just like, oh goddamn, finally! I don't, you know what? I don't even need the money. I got the blessing. That's all. That's all it needed. And I feel like I was right. missing a boat here because everyone was just like, oh yeah, that works. Perfect. It, hey yeah, man, that'll be five weird, bucks. Dude. I don't have that, but up, uh, uh, you've been blessed. Oh, awesome. I have a good day. Got Eric, it. you're right because this comes the what the fuck moment. Eric, you're totally right because 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 after the forty days thing, he comes out of the desert and all of his followers are waiting for it. I'm like, okay, this is the Jesus moment, right? This is where he merges and you know he has this godly like. They waited know, a like, month, hey. by the way, too, didn't they? Or yeah, they waited a month. I'm like, he's gonna come out saying, I am the Messiah now. I have sacrificed for forty days. No, the dude literally takes out his heart. And I and I remember this. I said to my wife when we're watching this, I'm like, okay, well, clearly Judas is is dreaming. No, Jesus rips out his heart, and they never talk about that again. And then he has an axe, and he's like, we're gonna kill people. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So so somebody please tell me, is this Jesus ripping out his heart a real thing in the movie, or is this or is this just? Psycho bullshit. Somebody please tell me this. Because that was weird. I took it as real. How? How did he rip out I mean, his... He, okay. He he cures a man's blindness by spitting in dirt and rubbing it in his eyes. Well, spitting in ashes and rubbing it in his eyes. And he brings a, a Lazarus back from the dead. And this is all before he pulls his own heart out. So if I can understand that he brings a guy from the dead, then I have to accept the fact that he literally rips out his heart. Yeah, he's basically a magician in this movie. Yeah. So Family Guy had it right. Well, they're a little more of an elaborate trick. Like, pulling that heart, heart out seemed to be kind of... You know, like, uh, how, the, how the, the, the medicine men kind of have been have been known to do that? Where they take, like, a, a, like a cow's liver or something like that, and they, they kind of make it seem like they're pulling it out of you. Um, it's, it's some weird Western medicine. I, I know that they... Uh, they highlighted it in that one movie, Man of the Moon, with yes, Jim Carrey. Yes, they did with Jim Carrey, yeah. Yeah, but that's, that's basically kind of the same trick that I saw. But yeah, Ryan, this guy seems to be just... that's. As I watched this movie, and they came to the part where you go into the town. It's just like, oh, okay, this is a pretty good movie for anyone... If you want to convince somebody that Jesus was just a con man. Oh, that, interesting. Jesus was a con man. I mean, I can certainly man. see, okay. I can well, certainly see that's the what point I thought. that. This movie, to me, was just like, okay, Jesus was... He got a brain tumor... He felt like he was the son of God who went around just kind of selling whatever people wanted to hear. And uh, he just kind of fed them a whole bunch of shit without really backing it up. When they asked for proof, he, he basically just flicked him off. It was just like, nah, fuck you. Believe me. That's basically what it was. Show us. Prove us something. No, nah, I'm not gonna. Oh, okay. Well, where are you going then? Let's go. Well, to be fair, that's what happened in the Bible to a certain degree. I mean, people always question Jesus in the Bible. They always question, saying, well, if you're this magical Messiah, if you could do all these things and prove it, do it to me now. And he was, you know, then he would say his his Jesus stuff. And they were like, oh, I follow you now. Yeah, but, well, well, now, but now I we get to see it. But this yeah, time there's more fire and axes. Why does he want to get an axe and kill everybody? So the Temple of Jerusalem has become... A haven of sin. So Sodom and Gomorrah, essentially. Not Jerusalem. on that level, but Jerusalem, the temple. Uh, his, the temple is obviously God's house. That is mm -hmm. Jesus's father, um, 
and when he goes in there, he sees them uh, exchanging coin and taking money, which uh, and basically turning the foyer or the the front area of the temple into a market, and that pisses him off. And it's it's just about destroying the corruption because as he says uh, with his first sermon that the world doesn't care about you, you know, mm-hmm. they're they're out to make a buck. So that's. Which was Eric's comment was funny. He preaches love, and he's like, "We gotta, we gotta burn this motherfucker to the ground." Yeah. <laughs> it was, I mean, Jesus went crazy, right? I mean, he went crazy mm-hmm. when he went into Jerusalem, and it's like, "Oh my God," you know. And then we get the big part of the movie where you know he tells Judas, "Hey, you know, you're gonna betray me," which is not accurate with the Bible because this whole movie, I was looking to my wife who went to Catholic school. And I was asking her these questions, and she said at the Last Supper, which was in this movie, Jesus doesn't point out Judas. Jesus says, tonight, one of you is going to betray me. So I thought that was interesting um, that they pinpointed the, the, the Judas thing. And so Judas betrayed him. Boom, he gets crucified, right? Um, I was expecting, since this was a Scorsese film, to get a little bit brutal, not Passion of the Christ brutal, but I was expecting something severe. They beat the crap out of him, of course, yes, but I was just expecting something a little bit more like, oh, God, right? Uh, hey, man, you got some bush. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this. Willem Dafoe definitely uh, acts better naked. <laughs> okay, so now we get to the crucifixion, and now this is where I am really scratching on my head. So he is on the cross, naked. I never knew he was naked on the cross, and my wife said that was accurate. I was like, but he always has like a loincloth thingy, you know? She's like, no, I actually he was naked on the cross. You got to protect the young kids. I guess, but I'm just saying, like, I never knew that. And all of a sudden, this 12-year-old girl comes out talking to Jesus, and she's like, hey, I'm your guardian angel. I kind of fucked up your whole life, but since you're being crucified, I'm now going to protect you takes him off the cross my my fingers well she says she says the angel says to him that you you're not the messiah you're not supposed to die to save humanity god was testing you and he is satisfied and that's what gets him off the cross but everybody still looks at the cross like he's still there. So when that's when that shot happens I'm like okay he's clearly on the cross Everything else is in his head. That's what I was assuming. He ends up marrying Mary Madeline. Jesus has sex. That's crazy, right? And they have kids. And we see him become an old man. And then we get this guy, Sal, Saul, whatever. Yeah, Saul. Harry Dean Stanton. And that is Harry Dean Stanton. I was like, that's the guy from Alien. Anyway. Um, and then he's preaching about Jesus and how Jesus sacrificed. So before we get into the big end reveal, is this true in the movie world? Like, I mean, like, did this happen? Or was this all visions of of what his life could have been like if he didn't die on the cross? That's the way I took it, right? I don't, I don't, so I don't even know. I interpreted the this part as real. Like, it's uh, this, he really got off the cross. He lived his life. And when he learned the big twist, he decided that he wanted to he, he decided that he wanted to sacrifice himself for humanity and that's when it flashes back because God is like, Alright, we're good and he snaps he Thanos is back to the uh, the the cross. Yes, because right is in it. The big reveal is the little girl is actually not the guardian angel. The little girl the whole time at the end of the movie is Satan himself, right? 
or herself, and Satan was tempting. Hence the name Last Temptation of Christ, right? I want to get back to the Saul moment, though. That okay. was my favorite part of the movie, where he, Saul in the in Bible in the Bible Saul is a German soul or not German is a Roman soldier who on the road to Damascus is greeted by the Spirit of Jesus and that converts him to Christianity and he goes uh, throughout um, uh, the the Middle East and those countries uh, Greece to preaching to the Gentiles because he was the first big person to preach Christianity Christianity to non-Jews. And that's kind of how it spread. Um, and I really like this section because he's saying all these things about Jesus. And Jesus is like, well, no, you're a liar. I'm, I'm right here. I'm the person you're talking about. I did none of these things. And Paul is just like, I don't fucking care. These people are listening to me. I don't fucking care what you have to say. They're not going to believe you over me. Yeah. That That's actually a very good point because he changed his name to Paul, right? And isn't there a mm-hmm. book in the Bible that's Paul? Or am I wrong? Yeah, he wrote, like, I think five of the books in the New Testament were written by Paul. Okay, so Saul was Paul. But anywhere, just just for my knowledge, we can move on. Was Saul a murderer in the Bible? I mean, like, does Saul kill Lazarus and all that stuff? And then he just changed his name to Paul and became a a preacher, essentially. I'm not certain if he kills Lazarus in the Bible. Um, uh, But I do know that he was a Roman soldier. So he is technically okay. the villain, one of the villains in the Bible. He's that a gets villain. Reformed. Okay. All right. Yeah, the Romans, the Romans are basically the bad guys. Gotcha. Eric, what do you think of this idea that this little girl was Satan the whole time testing Jesus? Do you think that was a great reveal? Do you think that was stupid? I mean, like, where are you at in this part when you find out the reveal that, that this little girl's Satan? Well, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I, it was, oh, come on. Well, no, really, that wasn't even the, the thing. I was more, more, we had, listen. We're fresh off of in the tall grass, and we get this another another time loop in this fucking movie. And if we could just get a movie without a time loop in it, that'd be great. But it <laughs> seems to be kind of like this thing that we're going on. No, what what I get is that his last temptation is because um, he 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 got the message that he will have to sac- Jesus will have to sacrifice himself in order to. Uh, uh, save humanity and you know he, and he's terrified he's like this is i don't want to do this i want to do this and he's praying over and over again please anything anything i don't want it i want this i don't, I don't want i don't really don't want this you know any other way let's do it let's do it and it's almost just like um he was kind of given this last temptation so like, all right well here's here is your life this life that you you feel that you deserved to have and you could find that you would have gained nothing from it. You know, that you would have, you would have, uh, what was it? He died with, with the, the flames of Jerusalem in the back, right? Like, yeah. Um, and then he, that's his self-realization. I, I think if it was the devil that was trying to keep him there and convince him, um, I, I, or give him some sort of temptation or something like that. I, I feel that it almost convinced him even more, to be honest, uh, because he's already lived the life, and he's like, all right, yeah, I'll go back. If I'm going to die anyway, go ahead and flash me back to when I was, you know, uh, being up, up on the cross there, and I'll do it for the rest of humanity. So it, it, that was kind of a weird a weird thing. I don't know if it was like a what-if type of thing. I, I'm wondering if it was just like his prayers was answered like, okay, I, you, you got to see this life, you know, and to find that 
this is what you are saving them against. That's an interesting concept, Eric. I'll say that he's on his bed, and uh, the last temptation was obviously him uh, escaping death, the one that he had prayed uh, so much for, of the devil taking him off the cross, and being married, raising a family, get him all the things that he had asked for. But I, I, I still don't get that, like, towards the end, after he's already kind of used all of his wish, basically, that he's able to go back and be like, uh, no, he just gets to wake up from the dream. Thanos did, like you guys said. That's actually a good comment, Thanos did. He's like, ah, oh. I mean, yeah, that, that that's a good point, because cause what if, um... What if that this was all nonsense anyway, and there was no magical Thanos thing anyway? That I mean, the devil took him off the cross, right? I, I don't know. But then, but then it ends with him back on the cross, and he's accepting everything that he saw, and then he dies. I think the movie would have been better if it would have started with the crucifixion, and the whole movie was this what-if scenario kind of a thing. I think that would have been more of an interesting movie, and not so jumbled and crazy, right? I mean, this movie you- is everywhere. Do you think that, because like you guys mentioned earlier, it ends as he's dying, the revolution in Jerusalem is taking place, people are, the Romans are slaughtering the Jews in Jerusalem, do you think that lessens the choice that he makes to go back and sacrifice himself? Because, as uh, I can't remember if it was Eric or Jordan said it, but his, his decision to not sacrifice himself back then has led to this moment anyways. Right. Eric said that one. Yeah, no, go ahead, Eric. No, it, he's absolutely right. I, I I'm kind of lost in the in that part, but I guess he wouldn't have known that. And I I I really don't know. But then we get the scene where he's on his old man is on his deathbed, and we get all the the visiting uh, disciples, um, and them to say their goodbyes and what the hell was that and them telling them he's got to wake up like it's like it was some sort of like coma scene in in a in a soap opera you know well he just gotta wake up you just gotta wake up and then he wakes up on the hospital bed you know it's, right I I, I I had the craziest dream and you were there <laughs> and on tm you were there that's yeah so it just seemed like uh i wanted a little bit more explanation but there was already a lot going on it didn't need to be in this movie. I mean, why could we just have a cohesive story? Uh, but that's me. Last question. How does one simply die on a, on a cross crucifixion? I'm assuming just starvation and, and thirst. Is that it? I mean, that's that's how one would die? Yeah. Well, you're... What is it? If you if you last long enough to do that, usually your um, diaphragm will collapse and you'll suffocate. Because your arms are out? Yeah. Like, there's so much pressure on your chest cavity, like, holding your arm... Like, cause when your arms are up like that, your, your shoulder muscles are holding you. And that's going to stretch down to your ribs being spread apart. And eventually your diaphragm is stretched to a point where it's just going to collapse and you can't take in any air because your lungs won't expand. It's, it's how, after your shoulders dislocate, by the way. Yeah. Uh, how many or days that, would this have lasted for somebody, you think? I think it's, like, usually three or four. Yeah, like but you got to remember, he's also out in the sun just baking naked. The birds will pick at him. Flies will pick at him. So it's a very, very okay. I was just curious. Like I was because because well, I'm always just curious on that. Go ahead. They were so the Romans reserve crucifixion for sedition for traitors. This is like the capital, the highest offense you can have against the Roman Empire. That's why you get crucified. This is not a normal type of death. This is not their normalcy. This is just like hardcore stuff. Okay, it's the example. This is this is you're an example, yeah. Well, clearly, right? This is like this is like cut off the head and put it on a stake. Well, it's either you're with us or you're against us, and look what happens 
to the people against us. Because I always, I always imagine that that someone would die from the cross from starvation or, or thirst. But I guess you guys are right with the shoulder dislocations, the rib cage, all that stuff. Yeah, you guys are right on that. Well, well I was the just other part how long it would. is, uh, I think there was um, for stigmata, there was always uh, an issue of where the nail was, if it was in his hand or if it was in his wrist. I think it's it. They Gina were, brought that up. Thank you, Eric, for the, saying that. In, it's supposed to be in the wrist, right? Because if it was hand, yeah. they would have been cartilage, and it would have just fallen right off or something like that. And in this movie, I think they they hammered him on the wrist. They hammered him on the wrist of the movie, but here's the funny thing. Earlier in the movie, he put his hands down to show Judas, and he had stigmata of the hands where the where the nails were where where the where his palms were bleeding. But at the end when he was being crucified, they put the nails to the wrist. So the movie right there doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. Yeah, well, doesn't make any sense, does it? You got, you got the yeah, you got the the sign, you know. Right. Well, hopefully this makes sense to everybody. We're gonna get into our apocryphal rating for the Last Temptation or Christ here. Eric, I want to hear from you first, buddy. What is gonna be your popcorn rating for the Last Temptation God of damn, Christ? You know, I bag of kernels, please. I, re- I really don't know. Like, it's it's one of those where like, I I watched it. It was a, there's a lot of people in this movie, and I really just don't. I want. I think what would be more entertaining than this movie is watching how they did this movie. I I would really Ooh. want to see the behind the scenes, and just get like some actors intake, because there has to be a point. Like if these actors took it seriously, I I I can understand it, but I just don't understand how you can with William Defoe walking around going gad. Hey guys, you ain't believing in Gad, you know, just the for for three hours, and he, he's talking about that the way that he says it like that. He doesn't even like you. You couldn't just like maybe just lower your voice a little bit more to make it seem like you're being more serious about it. It's just it it, it bothered me. Um, yeah, but you said we we're gonna be doing Mario Brothers soon, um, uh, a film that we know where the actors knew it was bad, so they just proceeded to get drunk every day on set. 24-7. I wonder if, like, there's a part in this movie where someone was just like, this is this is going to be bad. You know? Like, I I, I just don't know. Um, well, you got, you got a small bag or you got a bag of kernels? I, don't, what I, I can tell I don't from even, what you're I don't saying. Even, I, don't, I don't know. I don't so you have to give know. one, bud. Do I? I yeah. I, well, we've done this for You have to give one. A I bag know, of kernels, but... which is just a shit movie. Or at least a small bag, I, I, man. I don't know. I think I'd just get some candy for this. I think I'd just smoke a dub for this one, dude. I wouldn't even get a popcorn. I'd just smoke weed for so, this one. Like I, I no, but no, I have no bag. I have no. I'm not bag interested in. I'm not interested okay. in watching this one again, even though I feel like I, I like I need to to understand it a bit more because it was a really. I really don't know. <sighs> I don't know. I, I don't know what this movie was trying to be meta or trying to be aware. I, I got lost somewhere in this movie. I got lost. I understand what it's supposed to be about, but it, it, I told you guys before, this felt like this movie was a story that was told by like three chains down, you know, at a, at a bar, you know, where I just get a drunk Jordan telling me basically what the Bible is, summing it up for me in, in a half an hour. And that's what I got. 
And I will gladly do that for you. And so a bag of kernels officially here for Eric, and I will say this before I get into my review. Willem Dafoe, I read, did say that he praised this movie because this movie got him to quit smoking. Scorsese didn't want anybody to smoke on set. He wanted to be authentic, so he couldn't smoke. So Willem Dafoe quit smoking because of this. Um, Bag of Kernels, for me. This, this movie is, is just a bad movie. There was... The reason why this movie took four nights for my wife and I to watch it is because it kept on pausing and rewinding, pausing and rewinding, showing her all the terrible fucking edits, the cuts. Whoever shot this movie, this movie's gross to look at. And I mean, just the way it's filmed. I mean, the cinematography is disgusting. It, it's just not shot well. You no. can tell when the, when the, you can tell when the 12 year old girl takes him off the cross and he goes into the uh, woods and he's like, is this, is this heaven? She's like, no. And in, in, in the camera pans, it's like, oh, that's Northern California. Like, it's just, it, it's just, God damn. It's just very, very underlit. And then sometimes it's really overlit. The acting was horrible. This is a really, 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 really bad movie. This is definitely a bag of kernels for me. Ryan, I want to know what your opinion is. What is your popcorn rating for The Last Temptation of Christ? Uh, my popcorn rating is a medium bag. I think think for the most part uh your explanation is uh, an overreaction really i think okay. you i think yeah i think that you're overreacting to what you don't like in the movie um this movie isn't shot poorly there are some strange edits i'll give you that but f- from a cinematography standpoint no i you don't I, think I it was ugly. strongly okay no i think it, i think that's the point though right it, this isn't this doesn't take place in modern times. They shot all this in Morocco, in the desert. That's not a clean life. My, and I think my more was just story in casting. It's not cinematography. Well, I was talking specifically about Jordan. Oh yeah. Um, but I think this. I think this is a good movie. I, I, um, I think that it is someone who has their their faith because he's a he was a devout Catholic. Um, these are some. These are just questions in him dealing with with trying to discover the answers. Um, I think Scorsese latched onto the story because he went through the same thing that the author of the book went through, trying to rationalize the man with the myth and things like that. Um, I, w- I will agree that Harvey Keitel and a lot of the uh, choices that he makes and Defoe makes um, are questionable. Um, but I don't think Def- I, I don't think Willem Dafoe gives a bad performance. I think he just I think he you know chooses some interesting choices. The music though, guys, I don't know how you felt about the music. Um, Peter Gabriel uh, is the composer. He's the former lead singer of Genesis from the 70s. Really good. I, I like his music. I don't know how you guys felt about the music in this movie, but I I thought the music was the best part. And I, it's not a tough sit. I got through it all in one sitting. I, and I would recommend this to people to watch. You, know, you got to know what it is going in, but it's, yeah, I would recommend this. I would recommend it just on a cult appeal alone. Like, I, again, this is a, a lot of, a lot of just, I, I okay, I agree with you that, like, a lot of uh, the performances, I felt like a lot of the performances were, were just overacted, and it really didn't seem to be the fault, again, of, of the actor. There are some movies where we can clearly say that it's the fault of the actor. We just did Within the Tall Grass, that guy who did uh, Caleb or whatever, the, the brother. That's the actor's fault. This one, these actors did what they were supposed to do as far as their job. I just feel like the character and the story is just like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I, it, it, does, it, it feels like parts of it, of the script 
where like they they copied and pasted some parts of the Bible, and then the other parts they just kind of wrote in, and like it was modern. So it's just like, okay, now Jesus, we need you to go up here, go up to Mary, and then have like this biblical dialogue that's familiar to everybody, and then I don't know, just wing it if you could after that, just kind of riff and just kind of see what you come up with. I, I feel like that's that's what happened. Is that like there was there was like three lines of script, and then after that, I don't I don't even know. Was it was there a part that just said react for two minutes, and <laughs> and it's just like uh, I, it really a lot of these parts just didn't make sense. I felt like I was left out of the loop. The for the but at the same part of it, there is appeal to this movie because of how you know <laughs> WTF that that it is type of thing. And I'm not. I've seen worse movies, and I'm not trying to. This might be more of like a Hamlet two scenario here. Do Do you know what I mean by that reference? Where something is just so odd and weird and just so fucking left field that it works. And this is one of those where it's just this is out there, man. Like that's that's kind of what that was. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this most recent episode of Movie Guys Podcast. Next week, we have something fun. Finally, after two weeks of Drek, we are coming, starting our brand new video game series, which will be a span of a long time. But we're going to kick it off with the first video game movie ever. And Eric kind of spoiled in the beginning of the show here. We're doing Super Mario Brothers next week, a movie I have not seen in probably 15 years. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm assuming you guys are totally excited to review oh, this Oh, yeah, one. for sure. Ryan, you excited to see Super Mario Brothers? I've never seen it before, so... Oh. You, you've never seen Super Mario <laughs> Brothers, Ryan? Nope. Okay, so you played the Mario Brothers it. game, right? Oh, fuck, I love Mario Brothers. Okay, so okay, so the Mario Brothers game is Save fresh it. in your mind. Save it. Okay, just... You're going to love this. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this most recent episode of Movie Guys Podcast. Check us out on social media like always. Eric and Ryan, thank you for joining me. And I will be back next week for Super Mario Brothers. Have a good night.